Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. Today, as I post this podcast, is Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel Independence Day. It's a day to celebrate. Yes, there are a lot of issues that we can discuss when we talk about Israel. We can talk politically, we can talk philosophically, even theologically. But I want to put all of those aside today, and I just want to concentrate on celebrating the accomplishments, and in fact, in many ways, the miracle, whether you consider that a human or a divine miracle, that's up to you. But the miracle of the birth and the growth of this state, which has meant so much to the Jewish people and really so much to the world. Yes, again, there are serious issues, but let's leave them aside for now and let's concentrate on celebrating the privilege that we have to have this state of Israel, which can inspire us and which can means so much to Jews throughout the world. And in order to celebrate it, I want to do so by just telling some stories. I've had the privilege of being in Israel on 13 different occasions, beginning with a year in rabbinical school and continuing through many trips that I led from congregations, from uh, community groups, and also the opportunity to go on study programs in Israel. And each time there have been experiences which have been fascinating, which have been exhilarating and memorable. And so I want to share a few of those experiences with you in this podcast. I'm hoping that those who have traveled to Israel will think of your own stories. Maybe some of them will resonate with, my stories will resonate with you. And if not, what are the stories that you remember, the moments that stand out? And for those who haven't had the opportunity to travel in Israel, I hope that this may inspire you to do so, or at least give you an idea of some of the experiences that people can have. And I could have picked so many. There were so many inspiring moments, moments where I felt a connection with history, moments where uh, just in terms of the beauty of the land was so inspiring. But I've chosen some that reflect in certain ways the, the reality of Israel and, and my own connection with it. And the first story that I want to tell has to do with Hebrew. One of the joys that I have in traveling to Israel is the ability to talk Hebrew in the street, to, to, to go into the to stores. And, and my Hebrew is good enough to pass in most situations. Uh, sometimes I get a little bit frustrated or a little bit anxious, but in, usually I'm able to uh, handle conversations in stores and on the street in Hebrew without a problem. And one day, not uh, about 20 years ago, I was uh, in Israel, in Jerusalem, and standing in... Uh, part of town called Kikart Sorfat, France Square, not from, far from the hotel that I was in. And I was looking for a post office. I had to mail something back to the United States. And I knew that there was a post office somewhere near that area, but I didn't know where it was. And um, I was standing at a red light waiting to cross the street, and I turned to a woman standing next to me, and I said, in Hebrew, I said, Slicha Efa Misrat Hadoar, where is the post office? And she began her answer by saying to me, oh, and the minute she said, oh, I recognized in that accent that she was a Russian immigrant to Israel and a, perhaps a recent immigrant, and that maybe the Hebrew was going to present the problem to her, but she kind of threw back her shoulders a little bit and, 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 and said, and in a matter of pride, and said, ah, Ani choshev, I think, but then she corrected to the feminine, Ani choshevet, la Ani choshevet, le yamin, to the right. And she pointed with her hand to the left. 
She said ve'az lismol, which means to the left, and she pointed with her with her hand to the right. And I stood there and I said to myself, well, should I correct her or not? And I remembered an experience that I had had one of my first days in Israel when I wanted to buy an umbrella. And I went into a store thinking I had the right word for umbrella, which is mitria, but I, instead I asked for an itria, which means noodle. And I remember how patient the person behind the counter was with me, smiling and correcting me. So I looked at this woman and I said, Slicha Geveret, excuse me, miss, I said, and I pointed to my right hand, I said, Zeyamin, this is the right, and to the left, Zesmol, and she went, and she had this huge smile on her face, Todarabah. Well, that was good, we crossed the street, and I never did find the post office, at least I found it about 15 minutes later, her directions did me no, had, had, didn't help me at all, but I remember that experience, and the feeling that I was returning the favor that somebody had done to me some oh, 20 years before when they corrected my Hebrew nicely and calmly and I was able to help her too and think about it. A Jew from the United States comes to Israel struggling a bit with Hebrew and then 20 years later is able to help a, a recent immigrant from the former Soviet Union come to, uh, to, learn, uh, to, to, to learn a bit more Hebrew. And it was, a, it was a great experience. And really, the, the whole idea of Hebrew as a language, as a modern language, just is so thrilling, is so exciting. When you think about the biblical connections, the Hebrew, the historical connections of the language. Another experience that I had in Israel that many people have had is a sense of connection with other Jews that comes from a rather unusual circumstance. So I'll tell a story that happened to me in my last visit to Israel, which sadly was in 2009. I haven't been able to go back since, and I'm hoping very soon, with COVID hopefully uh, allowing um, to, be, to be able to go sometime soon, maybe next year or the year after. I have some things that I'd like to do, some people I'd love to see. And my last trip to Israel was in, with a group uh, from our synagogue in 2009. And one experience stands out to me. It's a very simple, simple moment. We were uh, in the northern part of Israel, and we stopped at a kibbutz, uh, at a little store on the edge of a kibbutz. It was a little gift shop, uh, a little snack bar, and uh, most importantly, they had bathrooms, and that's why we mostly stopped there, because it was time for a bathroom break on the bus. And as we were standing around in the parking lot, another bus drove up, and this one was filled with high school students, with teenagers, and they bounded off the bus, and I noticed that many of them or several of them anyway, were wearing Boston Red Sox caps. Well, of course, since I was wearing my Red Sox cap, and since that immediately speaks Lanzmann uh, to me, I went over to uh, to the group and I said, uh, and, and they noticed my hat and they smiled. And I said, so tell me, I said, uh, where, where are you from? And one of the young uh, teenage girls said to me, she's from Newton, which is the part of uh, uh, the suburb of Boston right next to where I grew up in Brighton within the city. And I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. And I said, I grew up in Brighton. She said, oh, my grandfather grew up in Brighton, very, just not far, from, not far off Commonwealth Avenue. I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, what, by the way, what's his name? She mentioned his name to me, and I immediately recognized it, not a common name, and I immediately recognized it because the, it was the same name as the people that lived across the street from us. So I did a little bit of quick math, and I said, you know something? I have a feeling 
that I know some of your family, some of your ancestors. And she looked at me like I was trying to say, I said, what street did your grandfather grow up? And she said, I don't know, but I'd know if I heard it. And I mentioned the name of the street I grew up on. And she said, I think that's it. I said, let me tell you something. I said, I'm assuming that I've got the right person. I said, your great grandfather lived across the street from us when I was growing up. And I said, I can even top that. I said, he was at my bar mitzvah party. And we have a film of my bar mitzvah party. And I know I could point him out in it. I said, so your great grandfather was at my bar mitzvah. And she looked and she just smiled. I don't know that it really meant as much to her as it did to me, but here I am, uh, one or two generations, depending on the particular age, separated from her, thinking about somebody two generations older than, older than, than, than I am. And somehow there was this connection, this connection of the sense that, 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 that we were connected in somehow, and we were connected by finding each other in this remote part of the state of Israel, of the land of Israel. Somehow it, it brought us together and it brings Jews together. And the phrase that's used, and I know this isn't true of, for Israelis at all, and I understand that, but in certain contexts when talking, you'll hear people say, Kulani Yehudi, we're all Jews. And again, obviously there are people who live in the state of Israel who aren't Jewish, but the sense of Jews being able to connect with each other in the land is very important. That, land, that story, by the way, comes to mind because of another story which happened to me, which is, which is rather funny and where the words Kulani Yehudim, were all Jews, was used in another context for me. Uh, we were in a museum in Tel Aviv once with a group that I had, and I was, uh, I was actually getting um, a little bit bored of the museum. I'd been there two or three times before and I was very tired, so I sneaked off to the snack bar and I sat there to have a cup of coffee. And I was sitting there and a man came up to me, a security guard, and he said to me, uh, you're an American, right? This was in Hebrew. And I said, yes. And he said, uh, I want to tell you a story. He said, do you recognize my name? And on his nameplate, it said Gormezano, G-O-R-M-E-Z-A-N-O. And I said, no, I, I said, I don't recognize the name. And he covered up the last four letters. He says, have you ever heard of Edie Gourmet? Well, I've heard of the singer Edie Gourmet. And then he said to me one of his two classic lines in this conversation, Hishara im hastiv hazeh, which means she sings with this guy, Steve, her partner, of course, Steve Lawrence. So I said, I said, yes, I've heard of her. He said, oh, he said, I want to ask you a favor. Taseli tova, do me a favor. I said, what's the favor? He said, I'd like you to invite my son to come and visit you in the United States. And I said, wait a minute, I don't know you. And he said, he said, here's the story. My son wants to come to the United States, but he needs an invitation and he doesn't know where to go. I said, well, I, you know, he says he wouldn't even, he wouldn't bother you. He wouldn't even come to visit you, but just invite him. So I'm starting to think there might be something underhanded in this in some way. And I'm not sure how, but I was getting a little bit uncomfortable. And I said, I, I said, I don't think I can do that. And he looks at me and he says, no, chaver, friend, kulani yehudin, we're all Jews. And I said, yeah, yeah, we're all Jews. He said, think about it. He says, I don't know anybody else in the United States. And I said, well, you don't know me. He says, well, yeah, you'll be having, but you have a kind face. And I said, but wait a minute. You do know somebody in the United States. You do know, you know Edie Gourmet. And he comes up with the second classic line. He says, I don't want to bother her with something like this. So me, who he's never met before, he'll bother. But in any event, 
I said, he said, think about it, think about it. He gives me his name, his address, his phone number. I said, all right, I'll think about it with no intention to actually think about it. The funny part of the story is a couple of months later, I was sitting in the synagogue here in Ann Arbor and we were sitting at a lunch at a dinner, whatever. And I was, t I told, I started telling the story to people at the table and I got to the name Gormazano and I said it out a little louder than the rest. And somebody who was at the table next to me said, did I just hear you mention the name Gormazano? I said, yeah, why? He said, I got to tell you a story. A couple of months ago, I was in the muse, such and such museum in Tel Aviv and the security guard came up to me. I said, I bet he wanted you to invite his son to come visit. He said, yeah, how did you know? Uh, but that's the story. That just was such a classic story of Jews feeling comfortable enough with each other to, to, to reach out and to have that sense of connection. Kulani Yehudim, I always remember that story. And now I'm going to end with one other story. And I, I really debated with myself whether to tell the story or not, because actually this story could have happened anywhere. And it if it had happened someplace else in Israel, rather than the place that it happened, I probably wouldn't connect it at all with Israel. But this story happened in Sfat. Sfat, the city in northern Israel, which is the center historically, and even the current day of Jewish mysticism. It's a story, <coughs> excuse me, it's a city <coughs> where some very unusual things can happen. And uh, we were in Sfat uh, on a Shabbat uh, in the middle of a two-week trip that I had taken with a group from the synagogue, and I was absolutely exhausted. It had been a long week. We were there in the summer. It can be tiring traveling in the summer, especially in this world where it's hot. And I just wanted to take a nap. And so Shabbat afternoon, I fell into the deepest sleep that I have, that I remember in it ever falling into it a nap. I mean, I was out. And just, I, I had this dream, an extraordinarily vivid dream, that I was back home here in the United States, in Ann Arbor, standing on our front porch. And I remember thinking in the dream, I'm supposed to be in Israel. How can I be standing on the front porch? And somehow it was such an intense dream that I woke up out of it and it took me two or three minutes to figure out where I was, to actually figure out where I was. Very, very strange feeling. But I finally got myself together and got my feet back on the ground. And I did something I don't usually do. I, I called home on Shabbat. I usually didn't, don't use the phone on Shabbat, but I called home on Shabbat because it just was such an intense feeling of, of home. And I wanted to talk to my wife who, who wasn't with us on this trip. And I, uh, she answered the phone and there's all this commotion going on in the house. And I said, what's going on? She said, hold on for a minute. And then she came back and she said, it's very, very strange. I have to tell you something. So I said, what happened? She said, well, our dog, Benny, at the time, Benny is, uh, was our dog at the time, a yellow lab, who never barked. He only barked when one particular person came to the house because this was a friend of ours who had a dog that she would bring and they would play together. She said, so I thought that this friend was at the door. So I went to the door to let the dog, let the person in and there was nobody there. But Benny was standing at the door barking with his tail wagging like crazy. So, and it just started a few minutes ago. So what did you want to call me about? And I was absolutely stunned. <laughs> I said, well, I said, you won't believe this, but I had a dream, an extremely vivid dream that I was at the front door. And she said, it's amazing. He went over to the front door 
and he was wagging his tail like crazy and barking like he was expecting somebody to come in. Why do I tell that story? First of all, because I am, I love stories like that, and I feel that stories like that have some basis in some level of, of legitimacy, how much you want to, but the point is, I don't think that kind of story would have happened to me any place else, perhaps in Safat, the center of mysticism, the center of, 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 of esoteric and kind of secret knowledge or, uh, or unusual kind of, uh, kind, of, kind of study. You can take it for what it's worth, but it's one of my memories of traveling in Israel. There are so many others I could tell. I could tell stories about poignant moments, about people we met, about places we were, about beautiful sunrises and sunsets, of sitting in the, around the corner from the, uh, from the Western Wall, listening to the sound of davening at the wall and the bells of the churches and the calls from the mosque on the, on, on the Temple Mount. I could think of all of these things. So many inspiring moments, but I just wanted to share those few stories because they point out how special, how unique, traveling in Israel can be and how the stories we remember are stories that till, still touch our hearts. So, Chag Sameach, Happy Yom Ha'atzma'ut, and we pray for the safety and security and the well-being of all, of all of the residents in Israel and all of the residents in the areas under her control, and we wish them all in this coming year, a year of peace, a year of security, and really, a year in which we see changes for the better politically within the state and the hopes that in fact the dreams of peace and coexistence will in fact come about. Until next time, thank you.